Welcome to the Mentality Podcast. We're recording at the incredible Wheatwood Hall Hotel Podcast Studio. This is a podcast that goes way beyond stigma. We talk about men's mental health and mindset. We encourage the type of conversation that will open you up to another way to live life, another way to see yourself and the world around you. If you are ready for that, you're in the right place. I'm Stevie Ward and I'm an ex professional rugby league player and captain and now I guess I'm a bit of a podcaster, speaker, actor, writer, entrepreneur. I'm still working all that out but at Mentality we help men take control of their mindset by teaching them to find purpose, resilience and what I believe is the new success, inner peace. That sounds good. If you are that guy who is waking up to the fact that they need to do something different in life and the same old habits aren't working for you, it might be time to step up. If you want to start your journey with us, you can go to mentality.co.uk forward slash coaching to join the best team you have ever seen. Welcome to the Mentality Podcast. Uh, we've got Steve on the line and we've got Jack Middlemore. Jack, do you want to tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from? Yeah, sure. So, um, well, yeah, I'm Jack. I'm 23, uh, rugby player. Um, recently, I took part in the Blind Side documentary, and that's the main reason I'm on here. But just sort of right now, I'm taking the time to, especially right now, everything going on with lockdown, trying to take more time to talk about my mental health and sort of the, the journey that's been and how that's changed my life. And hopefully that can help someone at least, helps anyone that's worth it. Yeah, because yeah, um, I mean, me and Steve both saw the documentary, and it's uh, it's really moving, mate. Is it available publicly for anyone to watch? Yeah, yet or? yeah available publicly. Um, it's on the Dodgers social media. Loose Heads posted it on their social media, and then the guy that filmed it, Alex Baldry, his company is called Play Motion Visuals. And it's available on all of their social media as well. Cool, because we got a copy. I wasn't sure whether we could uh, tweet it, but yeah, we'll put it out there. Please, by all means, by all means. Um, you mentioned Dodgers. That's the seven-a-side rugby team, right? You play for, yeah, as rugby yes, is. Um, and Looseheads. What's uh, what's that again? So Looseheads, they are a charity movement uh, based in the rugby community that um, they're trying to tackle the stigma. That's their their slogan around mental health. So they do clothing. Uh, that's sort of the main thing they do. They do a lot of work to do with the clothing and they've got a lot of Hugo Monnier's and Ambassador for them now which is massive um, but what, what the main thing is is you buy one of their t-shirts or their jumper uh, and a percentage of the sale of that, that item of clothing goes towards a mental health charity and then through that they can spend the money to actually help people rather than just sort of post saying they're doing it they, they do so mm. to have them on board is massive quite like that yeah, yeah, on, and the clothes are decent as well the clothes are really yeah. decent that's it. Well, it's, it's like, uh, I'm just, how, how good is it? How good is it? I just want to say, how good is that? That like there's there's organisations that are out there doing it, and you know, I, I bang on about it this podcast all the time. But uh, you'd never seen this five, ten years ago. Um, never mind, even longer than that. But it's brilliant, isn't it? It's brilliant. And so, how how did how did the the documentary come about then for for you, Jack? Like, you know, what 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 did that look like? To, to get to that point 
Yeah, so I'll be honest, when I started playing for the Dodgers, I never thought that something like this would ever happen. Um, first time I ever heard of the Dodgers was a mate that I'd played rugby with. Uh, he got involved and they were playing a tournament near where I live and they were shorts and bodies. They just needed bodies to put on the field in a jersey. So he dropped me a text one day and he was like, we're playing a tournament in half an hour from you. We really need players. And I was like, I've got nothing else to do today. Yeah, I'll see you boys there. Um, played with them. Fantastic group of boys. Played really well together. Great tournament. Uh, and they asked me to stick around. And then we just sort of, back then it was literally a social side. At the time we were called Salad Dodger Seppard. Maybe a fat boy rugby team. <laughs> uh, it wasn't anything serious at all. Oh, so um, it wasn't set up as a mental health kind of... Uh, that just spawned out of it. Okay, cool. Yeah, that, that spawned out of it. So the one of the founders moved to China. Uh, and so one lad, Dom Hardman, sort of took over the reins. Um, and he saw an opportunity to sort of take what we had, you know, a bunch of boys who spent time together. And to be fair, we only really see each other during the seventh season, which is like 12 weeks in the middle of summer. So we don't spend a lot of time together. It's just sort of tournament, tournament, tournament. Um, but he saw a chance for this to be something more. And he realised that I think, especially in rugby, um, talking about your feelings isn't necessarily the biggest done thing. Um, you've got sort of that, that bravado image to keep up. So he tried to sort of, the, the, the team was set up to be sort of more than a team originally. It's to be somewhere safe for the boys to talk about their, their, their crap they had me going on. But it was never, for, for me when I joined, I didn't realise that was a huge part of the team. I just thought it was a bit of rugby. I was like, perfect, love that. Um, but then I sort of spent more and more time with the team and realised these are boys that cared and wanted to make a difference. Um, and then Dom, just in the background, spent ages doing, doing absolute bits. He did putting the work in, still is to this day. Um, and he'd been working with some guys, getting just some, some montages and stuff like that done. And somehow came across the chats to the documentary, put a message in our, in our team chat saying who wants to get involved. And I was like... Um, you know, I sort of thought to myself, you know, obviously having had the thoughts about everything that happened, that this is a huge opportunity for me. I think two two ways. First of all, I think the first reason that I got involved was quite a selfish reason. It was to prove to myself that I could talk about it on such a grand scale. Because mm. um, that's something I struggled with for a long time, is to be able to talk about it. Like I see a therapist, I can talk about it with him, no problem. But I've been seeing him for coming up to close to three years now. Like we're there's not a lot of things I can't talk about with him at this point, but to, to bear something like that on such a grand scale, I think personally for me was a, would have been an achievement. That's the main reason I did it. But then I also realised that if anybody else has felt this way, even remotely close to sort of how I felt, then they know it's, it's awful. It's yeah. so, so awful. And if by me sharing it makes someone else realise that things can get better and things do get better and they can do things to make it better, then it's worth it and then some um so it just came up in the group chat who wants to get involved uh i took a few days to think about it and i thought i almost felt like i had a responsibility to do it at that point because i've been given i've been given a platform to share share my story that could help someone um did the so, lads know your story at this point by the way or no, none of them none, none of them, them knew. okay cool um, um, so yeah, I had to. I had to tell. I, I told Dom uh, and Alex Bowdry, the guy who filmed it, play motion visuals, because we had to do sort of. They wanted to get an idea of what our stories were before we started filming, so they could sort of how to approach it properly. So I told them all then, but that was the first time I told any of the boys on that team what had happened. Um, so yeah, and then came around and it was incredible. Wow. So I guess I guess it's sort of probably a, a good point to 
talk about the story, Jack, and, and to, to hear about, you know, what came about and, and um, all the lead up really and, and what you talk about through the documentary. And I, you know, I'm conscious that we, we can speak about what a special place that the Dodgers have become and, um, you know, what's come about with me. So what, what's the background to, to all that? And, and it was at university, right? Like the, yeah. that's, that's when it, and it started happening and, and, and you sort of came on to, to the, these feelings. Could, could you sort of give us a bit of a, 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 a picture of, of, of that story, please? Yeah, yeah, of course I can. Um, so I think, yeah, uni is where it sort of, it, it started to sort of to snowball, started to tumble. Um, I've always not been the best with my mental health. Um, I was bullied a lot as a kid, uh, you know, a lot of sort of self-esteem issues as a result. Um, but I got into uni, uh, completely honest, I didn't really want to go. I wanted to join the Navy, um, but I got into uni, I got to my first choice uni on an unconditional offer to do the course that I wanted to do. So in my head, I thought I have to go now. So I went. Um, from, from day one at uni, living at halls, it's, it's such a bizarre experience because you're, you're living in you know, halls of 200 other students, but I never felt so alone in my life, if I'm honest. Um, I didn't have my family around me and my actual, like, you know, my, my friends that I'd, I'd made at school or whatever. So it was very new for me. Um, but I got on with it. End of first year, uh, I came home and my first day home, my parents sat me down, my dad sat me down um, and told me that my mum and dad were getting divorced. Um, it wasn't anything to do with me, but they were, they were getting divorced. Um, and I'd already had it in my head that there was nothing wrong with their relationship. It seemed like a normal relationship to me, but it, it turns out it wasn't. Um, and I blame myself a bit for that because there's some really complicated stuff that happened when I was a lot younger that, that can't have been easy for them to deal with as parents. And I sometimes felt like that drove them apart. But um, so, yeah, they, they said that they were getting divorced. Um, my dad moved into our spare room. Um, we started eating dinner at separate times. Mum and dad wouldn't talk in the house. Um, I went back to uni, but I just, I, I didn't know how to process it. I didn't know what to do. I'd never felt so lost in my life. The one thing that I've always sort of relied on having around me is my family. And I felt like I was losing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just started to become sort of really depressed because I didn't know what to do about that. Um, and second year, second or third year of uni, um, my response was to party more. Um, I thought that, you know, whilst I was out partying, I, I didn't feel upset because I was, I was absolutely mashed. It's kind of hard to be upset when, when you're blitzed and you're, you know, you're out with the boys and you're, you're stuck in, but it was, it wasn't like a once a week sort of thing. It was like a three or four times a week sort of thing. And it, it got to the point where I was clearly escaping something, but I didn't know what it was. And that sort of, that spiral from just drinking to sort of, quite heavy drug abuse um and then of course that made me hate myself even more it got to the point where I didn't want to be here anymore I thought I was a waste of space I, I didn't feel like I was good enough to have the people that I had around me that, that cared for me I felt like I didn't deserve the help I didn't deserve anything I felt like I wasn't worthy of it um and it sort of it, it accumulated one night um three years ago now it was in no November, October three years ago after a sport social at uni that that hadn't gone my way um, I, I put myself in a bad position 
uh, and been a target for a fair bit of flack that night at the social because I thought it would be funny, but I couldn't handle it, it turns out. Um, and that was sort of the tipping point for me. I went home and I tried to kill myself. And um, uh, my, my housemates found me the next morning or later on that night. Um, uh, you know, I'd written a suicide note on the mirror in the living room. Um, I'd overdosed massively, slipped my wrists. And um, yeah, some of the boys that I played, played sports with at uni took me to hospital the next day. Um, I, I went home for a few days, but I didn't want to act like it had happened. I wanted to act like nothing had happened and just push it away. So I was back at uni three days later, acting like nothing had happened, back at work. You know, three weeks later, I was drinking again, getting on drugs again pretending like nothing had happened again. Uh, just wanted to act like everything was okay when it clearly wasn't, but I didn't want to get better. Um, and then it, it accumulated again in sort of the May, June time, um, sort of the following year, where I just spent sort of six, seven months pretending that nothing was nothing was wrong and just somehow managed to spiral, spiral even more. Um, and then I had another serious breakdown. Um, I, I threatened to kill myself again. Um, uh, and at that point, my mum and my best friend were like, no, no, no fucking way, you're coming home. And they came and got me that night um, uh, and said that I had a choice. I could either see, you know, seek help or that was it. I stayed at home for the rest of my life. So um, I started seeing a therapist. I started taking antidepressants. I started, I stopped drinking as much. I stopped taking drugs. I stopped sort of anything that, that, that had been helping contribute to my spiral of mental health. Mm. So yeah, that's, that, that's sort of the backstory. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that, mate. Yeah. Um, no, that, that's that's so such a big message. Such a big message. And, um, just, just some, just some like questions, man, you know, to, to the scale of stuff what you shared, but just to get a, a better picture, mate, I'm, I'm really interested in, 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 you know, funny enough that the course that, that you went to study at uni, but also you mentioned that first year, which were pretty tough. Um, just so we can outline some maybe experiences that, that you think sort of snowballed that in that first year or, you know, was it loneliness or was it like the fact that you, you didn't feel um, like you had a direction really? Or, you, you know, like, did, did, was there any things that you, that you can pick up on in that first year? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was loneliness for certain. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's really strange because my first year I made some, some incredible friends that I still talk to to this day. Mm -hmm. um, but they weren't all in my flat. We sort of spread across, spread across the halls that I was in. Um, so even though I made some really fantastic friends, second you shut that door in your your room and halls, you're isolated again. Yeah. Um, and I found that so I went to study sport and exercise sciences, um, but I found sort of living at home, my dad always had routine, and then my mum or dad would make sure that I got out of bed for sick form or for, for whatever. Mm. You know, I had stuff to do, but suddenly being at uni, it was just me in this room. I didn't, you know, if I didn't get up and go to a lecture, there were no consequences. Mm. If I didn't, if I didn't get out of bed until lunchtime and didn't eat my first meal until four in the afternoon, there were, there were no consequences. Mm. If I went out three times a week and, and didn't do my, my, you know, my studies, there were no consequences like there were at home because 
the whole point of being at uni is that you're a student by yourself but there was there was no transition period i found from from living at home because mm-hmm. let's be fair when you're at home with your parents you're babied quite a bit mm-hmm. you have your food cooked for you well hopefully you get food cooked for you you get out of, you know your parents get you out of bed when you've got stuff to do mm-hmm. especially sort of you know 16 17 you've just finished your gcses you're in you're going to college or sixth form but you're still living a fairly sort of sheltered lifestyle in that sense so then something to be in halls I had no idea how to function by myself as an adult because I didn't think I was an adult at 18. I think a lot of people at 18 aren't adults. They're just legally adults. They don't behave like them. So I had, I had no idea how to sort of function. I didn't, I think it's the fact there are no consequences for, for not doing anything in my day. That it's very easy to get into a pattern of doing sweet FA uh, and without realizing doing, doing absolutely nothing, not going to your studies, not, not, not eating until 4 p.m., staying up till 5 in the morning, that can very quickly affect your mental health without even realizing yeah. because yeah. you're wasting your day and without even thinking about it, you, you sort of, that makes you depressed. Um, so it's so a couple the fact that I had, I had no idea how to sort of be an adult by myself um, and the fact that I just, I felt, I felt lonely, I felt isolated in that room where I spent all of my time. I think that's sort of, that's what sort of started the spiral there, I think. What, what, um, what things do you think could have helped, mate? Because you know, I follow the, the, the stats quite quite um, rigorously. And even when there was a de- decline among suicides, and unfortunately it's risen in the year 2019, um, but for UK basis, but even when there was a decline, there was an increase on campus. So obviously there's something about um, that transition, like you said, from going to uh, doing your A-levels at college to going to uni, from living at home and then living away. There's something there which, and look, I, I've found elements of university really challenging. Yeah. Um, and what thing do you reckon we could do to make that transition easier? Um, because something's going wrong on campus, and um, yeah, we do need to address it. Um, so yeah, have you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, um, that's, a, that's a difficult question because it's like, what, what can you really say without sounding a bit bit extreme? Um, I don't really know how you would manage someone's transition to and from that short of having university put on courses, sort of how to how to be an adult. But then that almost feels like a baby and students to a degree. Um, it's it's a really difficult one. I, I think one thing that for a lot of people that the one I I think is part of the issue, which was one of my favourite parts of uni, quite ironically. But I do think the the partying culture. I think it does go too far to a degree. And I, I love a pint still to this day, do not get me wrong. Um, but I think when your your first two weeks of uni, the whole emphasis is getting blackout every night. I think maybe that sets a precedent for what your your study is going to be like your university career. Your first your first fortnight as a student and everywhere you look, you're encouraged to be out on the last 24-7. Mm it's very easy to sort of fall into a pit there, especially when everyone around you is as keen for it as you are. Um, so I, I, there are times where I wonder, I think my pitfall was, was the partying side of uni. I think that's what caught me out massively. And I think it catches a lot of people out. So I don't want to say sort of maybe damp it down a little bit, because that is for a lot of people a large appeal of uni. Um, but I do, I do wonder if there's not a support there to go with that in terms of how to party responsibly, especially when you're 18 and you're allowed, you know, it's your first time away from home. 
you've just got your student loan in your pocket. So it's best of having a bit of cash and you're out away from home and it's on the last 24-7. But um, there's definitely an issue in sort of the transition there, 100%. But I don't know personally, short of, short of maybe doing something at sick form that sort of if you're going to uni, this is how you set up your day properly to make sure you achieve targets, maybe have a... Uh, you know a, a free period available sort of thing you know a course for free periods where you you know this is how you set your, your, your targets for the day this is how you get your small wins every morning so you get in the habit of doing things as soon as you wake up or making your bed just so you can get in the habit of, of doing things as soon as you wake up mm-hmm. sort of set your day off properly but that's that's a really difficult one i don't know how you would tackle that quite honestly because how, how do you do that without maybe sort of babying students who want their first taste of freedom it's a really difficult line to tread if i'm honest yeah, yeah I, I uh i think i think hearing your story mate and listening to the experiences that you had and, and the sort of culture that you came into try not to be too strong here but i think coming into that environment where there's a focus on like you say getting blackout junk um and doing that repeatedly. That's like, that's a commonly well-known sort of concept about going to university fresh as week and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. You know, everyone sort of says, oh, the first year doesn't matter and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not a stickler for fun and stuff, but there's got to be a degree of um, another side to that, or there's got to be something else where, like we, so we've, I've done a lot of work with Leeds University and, and now they've set up, now three years ago, they set up a mentality society. And this is generally like where it's men's circles, it's proactive mental health stuff, it's talking, it's speaking to each other, it's understanding values. And like, just as you're talking, you are your environment, basically. When, where you go, you know, the people you spend time with, that's that's who you merge into be. You know, that that's... Neuroplasticity is 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 basically um, the brain becoming your experience and and you know experience becoming your brain because that's that's all you see in every day and, and that's how it works and I'm just like thinking about my experience I never went to university but from 16 years old I was gone into a culture and environment which was was so focused on winning and so focused on being professional so focused on taking care of yourself, working hard. And a lot of that, you know, I'm grateful for because that's the sort of path that I was put on. And, you know, you sort of pick stuff up from other professional people and players and, you know, you've got such a, a big goal in mind. But, you know, when you, you take the, the, the environment that, that you've mentioned that you've gone into there where a lot of it's isolation and, you know, right now, it's triple time, triple isolation right now with, with what's going on in the world. But the, 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 especially for men, like with the figures, surely there's got to be something which is set up where you go and have a good time for sure. Like I'm not, you know, everyone needs a good time, and then that's you know a lot of the reason for why we you know why we're here, why we do it. But there's got to be another uh, platform or another like structure to go into which focus on some of the stuff that you said there like what, achieving targets and who you are as a man what type of man you are like I just I think you know 
we talk about this with, with universities and Chris mentioned the stats. It's like, Crazy. We, all, we, all, we all know, men, you know, drinking every day for your mental health is not good. You're, you're asking for trouble. trouble. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I yeah. just, I, I feel like I just see that so clearly now and I'm just, I'm yeah, just like, I do as well. I do as well. I was bustled for it at first. I was so keen for it. Yeah. Um, but now that I'm a bit older, sort of 23 going on 24, and I'm not even that old in all fairness, I'm still quite young. Um, mm. I've been out of uni for, what, three, coming on three years now? Uh, and the thought of going back sort of makes me, going back to how that is, makes me feel quite uncomfortable, actually. Mm. Um, maybe the university thinks to do more to hold students accountable. You know, you miss a certain amount of courses, lectures are off that course or whatever. Because mm. I think for the amount of money you're paying to go to uni as well, especially, I mean, I did three three years at uni, I put 44 and a half grand of debt from that. Um, for, for that sort of, that sort of money, you, I'd like to maybe think that universities would think about taking more time to sort of hold students accountable, check why they aren't attending lectures, check, you know, are they okay? You've not been to this lecture for three weeks in a row, like what's going on? You'd, you'd think for that sort of money, they would, they would care more. I'd like to think they would anyway, or they would make the effort to care more. And sometimes, especially for me at uni, I felt like the uni didn't care. Mm. Um, and I went to University of Gloucestershire, which in my third year, which was 20, 2017. Mm. Yeah, 2017. There were, there were a fair few suicides on campus as well. I think there were, there were three suicides at UOG the first two months of uni on campus from students and halls. So you would like to think that there would be more, more support from the uni. I think maybe more needs to be done to hold the students accountable for for what they are doing whilst they're at uni. Because I didn't feel like I was accountable for anything whilst I was there. So maybe that might be a solution. But yeah, yeah. Just on the back of that, like it, it it's a well-known fact, and like you know, psychotherapists will talk about psychologists and people that that live a a good life will talk about the concept of meaning and purpose. But if, you, if you're going into a university and you're half sure about the degree that you're actually doing, mm-hmm. but then you're getting pissed every night, and this is the, the environment you're going into. Like, you're 18 years old, you, you've, you've, got, you've almost got no governance on, on, on which way you go. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Like, and why is it not more done about it? Why, why is it just being left to chance and being left to... You know, to a degree, you've got to make your own mistakes and learn from it and, and go have fun. But, you know, we're not talking about uh, having fun, really, I guess, on this. We're talking about trying to uh, address the um, the suicide figures in mental health for universities. Um, what what do you think to that, Chris? Yeah, look, I think um, some like, we chat to Leeds University, and I think they do try and do something about it. But from my contacts there, I know that their like mental health services um, are at capacity. So whether that's a funding issue from above them, maybe they need. I mean, they undoubtedly need more funding. There's three things which jump in my mind. When we talk about this stuff. I guess um, I think Jack's mentioned a couple actually. Like it, it, it sounds silly, but even a course of like how to live away from home, even if it's like a kind of weak induction course or something, it's, it's not the worst idea in the world. Whether that's at uni or whether you have something like a compulsory module at sixth form, like if you're going to take further education, you need to do this. Um, so, yeah, I think it's something like that, as well as like, um, obviously, parenting comes into it as well. Uh, I remember being at halls with someone who uh, asked how to cook pasta. So we told him and then uh, it came back and said, oh, it's not working. 
And we're like, what do you mean? It's all burnt at the bottom. And he didn't put the water in. Like, he forgot that bit. And like, you know, they are like kind of basic life skills that um, if, if, you, if you don't have that level of competence, it's almost like unfair on him to just send him off to another city expecting to, to be all right. But like we touched on the drinking thing, it is massive and it's, it's so encouraged. Like the peer pressure side of it is, I mean, I like a drink as well, but I used to go to a drink with my mates and we'd go to our local pub and we'd have six, seven pints and a chat and stuff. But this wasn't just that. It was like, right, everyone's in this halls and we're playing this drinking game and you've all got to take part in it. And like, you know, if if the bad luck falls on you, you've got to down some pint with like Tabasco, beer, vodka, beans in it. And, you know, and it was just like, it was so encouraging. Even the sports team culture, which I'm sure Jack Jack will know better than me. Um, I only played in like a few things with mates and intramural stuff, but I had some mates who were in like hockey teams and uh, rugby teams and the stuff they would do. And it was from the third years doing it to the first years of this kind of like cyclical induction sort of, humiliation process where they'd like play rugby with a naked with a frozen chicken instead of a rugby ball and um everything seemed to involve like nudity and humiliation and drinking weird things until people vomit and that was so like i had a friend who refused to do it and he ended up not being involved in the rugby setup because he wasn't a team player is what they said but he basically he didn't want to do and this wasn't that easy. He's a mate from, from school who was at another university. He didn't want to do a pint out of the captain's ass. He had to lie under his, in between his legs and they poured it down through the captain's cheeks. He had to take it and he refused. They're like, this is bullshit. And they didn't let him in the team. And like stuff like that is just, uh, it's just crazy. Like, um, and yeah, I think universities are kind of trying to at least do the right things. But yeah, the, the figures are showing that there's still an issue. Um, and, you know, Jack, your story is not, not isolated. And luckily, you know, your your attempt was unsuccessful, um, yeah. which is, you know, when I watch your video, mate, and I urge everyone to, we'll put it out. And um, when you get to that point, it's really, um, yeah, it's, it's really moving. And I think you even touched on the fact that your friends or some of the people you lived with, whatever, they didn't really have the capacity to deal with. No, they didn't know what to do with it. No one, no one in the house. I lived in a house of eight guys, all on the same sports team. I played American football at uni for some reason. Um, and it was eight of us all from the same sports team. Um, and none of them, I, like how, in all fairness, how do you deal with something like that? What, what, no one has had to deal with that. I had no idea how to deal with that. And I was the person that tried to kill myself. So, you know, a bunch of lads were the main, like the main common denominator in that house is that we were all on the same sports team. It wasn't that, it wasn't that, you know, but we were all mates, we were all good friends. I still talk to some of the boys now, um, but it wasn't like we were all on the same course. We lived in halls together. You had a mixture of sort of third and second years, I think a fourth year as well. Um, and the, the main common denominator in that house was that we were all on the same sports team. It, it wasn't that we were, you know, we, were, we were all like best mates. It wasn't that we were on the same course. I mean, the starting theme for that house, I don't know if you guys have seen the TV show Blue Mountain State. Um, I've heard of it. Yeah, it, it, in that they've got, a, it's called the Goat House. It's a party house and we wanted to do the same thing for our sports team. That's one of the main reasons. The recipe's a disaster, isn't it, mate? Yeah, That's just... <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, and to be fair, it was a party house for a while, but um, and then dissertations came along, stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, how, how you, there's no no one has had to deal with that in all fairness, and especially when you're in a house where sort of the most time we spent together uh, as the eight lads was living together. That was the most time we spent together. We'd gone from sort of seeing each other at practices 
twice a week for like two hours and uh, at socials for like three hours a week, maybe a night out to full time living together. So that's, you know, you learn a lot about people you're with because you don't actually know them that well, I found. Um, but also sort of two, three months into a shared house, something like that happens. How do you deal with that? Which is fair enough. They had no idea how to deal with that. Nor did I, in all fairness. Of course. And like, um, the, the thing I'd say is when you said you kind of reverted back to normality within days, right? Like, yeah, I forced um, myself to. Yeah. And like we're back out drinking and stuff. Did anyone, and this isn't your housemates, not trying to single people out, but did, were there some people who said, oh, mate, look, are you sure this is a good idea? Or did, yeah. My yeah. housemates, some of my housemates did that because well, um, so in your in a uni, uni society, your sports society, you have obviously your club captain, your vice captain, but you also have a social secretary who runs your, your drinking socials. And I lived with both of them my third year, which was uh, a blessing and a curse because obviously living with them, they try and fuck you over more at socials, but also they, they could sort of see what was going on. They could see how much I was drinking. And one of them, was like you shouldn't be here. Like if you come to social this week, I'm kicking you out of it. Mm. So yeah, there was there were a few people, but for the most part, people didn't really try and stop me. They just sort of left me alone. And, and I guess there's only yeah. so much you'll listen to as well, right? Like yeah, exactly. Tells you the right advice, but you could yeah. just ignore it and go out with other people. Or yeah, exactly. Um, I, I think yeah, there there are a few lads that not not many, honestly. There were sort of two or three lads who were like, you, you shouldn't be out tonight. Like you need to go home. But like you said, you can give all the advice you want in the world, but if the person who's giving it to you doesn't want to listen to it, it's pointless. Mm. I didn't want to listen to it. I didn't want to get better. I don't think I wasn't ready to get better. So I was like, no, this is, this is, this is how I deal with things. But yeah. So kind of jumping ahead, right? Um, I think university issues are really important. And, you know, we could do a whole pod on that. And maybe we should, Steve. Maybe we should see yeah. if we can get some people from various, uh, um, you know, areas of university and try and have a wider discussion on it. But, but back to your story, Jack, like what point did you start hearing the advice and where was the point? Can, can you pick a specific moment you were like, uh, this spiral has to stop now and I have to start going from down to up? Or Yeah, yeah, I can. There's sort of two, two, two big ones that sit with me. Um, I think the first one was the second breakdown the following summer when my mum and my best friend had to come and get me um, because I can't remember them coming to get me at all. I was completely blackout. Apparently, I was absolutely vile to them, saying that they were ruining my life, that I hated them, for trying to take them away from uni. Um, uh, and the next morning, I woke up with no idea what had happened, no idea how I suddenly an hour and a half away from my uni in my bedroom back home, which is worrying in itself that I'd, I'd been in that sort of state. Um, but my, my mum sort of sat me down and said, like, I'm not willing to lose you. You've got, you've got to sort this out. You have to sort this out. That for me, to see my mum in, in, in tears in front of me saying that she couldn't lose me, that was, I knew there and then that like I needed to, something had to change because I, I couldn't, I can't bet my mum. I can't, I can't knowingly, having been told that, continue to act how I was because that's, that's not fair to people around me. And I think I had, I didn't realise that my actions were affecting people around me in such a such a scale. Um, and the, the second second one is so my best friend's a lad called Jordan. We've been best friends since we were twelve years old, so that's half our lives. Um, he's he's like a brother to me, quite literally. And I went him and his dad took me for a few pints. Maybe I've been home for about two weeks, and it was like two pints at their local. Um, 
uh, and bless him, Jordan can't handle his drink very well. Never, never been able to. Like two pints for him is his limit. Um, and we got back to his, and he just turned around to me and just like started just bawling his eyes out, saying that he couldn't lose me either. And I knew there and then that sort of I had things to live for. People around me mattered, and I didn't want to leave this world anymore. Uh, that for me was sort of that was the, the turning point there. I think knowing that. I had people around me that, that wanted me there, gave something to live for. And I think that's life is worth living. Yeah, mate. I think that's such a a beautiful kind of point. And I think, and I'm sure you'd agree, when you're at your worst in those two dark moments, you didn't believe that. Yeah. And like I think anyone listening or anyone who who's been done then knows that when you're at your dark point, that's when things are most untrue. Like you think, oh, people are better off without me. But when you're a bit clearer. Um, you realise actually that's not the case at all. And um, yeah. yeah, you're a value to so many people and in ways you probably don't even realise. Yeah. Um, yeah. So having those two kind of pivotal moments, that, that seems like it. To, if that's the turning point, what things did you then begin to do to, to get yourself back up? Yeah. Like earlier, was that around that time or? Yeah, shortly, shortly after, after that, I think. I think sort of yeah the, the, the three biggest things that I did that sort of turned it around was one see a therapist um, and I know therapy is not for everyone but seeking help in some capacity from a professional is I, I think probably what saved my life in all honesty um, playing rugby I didn't start playing rugby until I was 21 years old um, I didn't I never played before in my life until until after that had happened and a mate said I should come play rugby. Mackey, you know, I talk about in the, in the documentary. Um and I think that's been incredible for me as well. I've never felt so welcome in a team sport. And as considering the, the sort of the the rumors you hear about rugby, I've never experienced anything close to the scale that happened at uni. Um uh so yeah, I think you know, sort of yeah, professional help something that I genuinely love doing. And I think the, the third thing is for me that took a long time, I still struggle with is realizing that, that as a, as a, as an adult, as a grown up, that it is okay and acceptable to remove yourself from situations that don't make you feel okay. And for the longest time, I always thought that, you know, I, I'm in this, this situation and I feel like shit and this is clearly toxic for me, but yeah, I've got to put up with it for some reason. Um, but learning that it's okay to sort of go, okay, this is making me uncomfortable. I don't like this. I can leave the situation, I think, as well. That, for me, was a huge thing in, in sort of realising that it, it was, I think it gave me the, sort of the strength back to make my own choices. And I could now control sort of what made me feel, how I feel. And I think realising that you can do that gives you a lot more power than you think it would. Because now you can sort of choose what affects your mood. Because you know that, you know, let's say you're in a situation and some lads in your face shouting down this pint and you don't want to do it, you can walk away from it and that's okay. Yeah. yeah and, and like, I think, you know, I, I've been in similar situations and like, it's just, you've just got to accept that people will give you stick for that. Yeah. But I used to think there's more on them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I didn't for a long time and now, now I sort of think, okay, cool. If I didn't do it, what's going to happen? Uh, it used to baffle me how people were so. Uh, it would like it would impact on their night so much whether I down this pint or not. 
Like, why does it matter? Yeah. Um, it's weird. Yeah. Just because you've dropped a queen, uh, a coin in my drink, I'm not going to save the queen. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I would, back then I would always down it because I just gave in to the peer pressure. But now I'd just be like, um, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> He's cost five quid here. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> another one. Like. This is a nice pint. I want to enjoy this. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. No, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. But yeah, um, professional help, I think, is the, is the way forward. And it's it's great sharing it with your mates and everything. Sharing your mates. A lot of times, I think, for me, I didn't think it was worthy of professional help. So sharing it with my mates is where I started. Uh, and that's fantastic. But if sharing it with your mates isn't fixing it, isn't helping you, then the next best thing you can do is see your GP or you know seek professional help because there's loads out there there's loads out there and there's a lot you can do through the nhs that won't cost you a penny to get better um but yeah i think it's so worth doing yeah Mate, tell us in specific how i know you said that you could you know early on in the conversation you said they could pretty much tell your counsel or anything um after speaking to him for three years tell us in specific like what you felt like if I'm right, if it was counselling, what tackling that counselling um, helped you with and, and, you know, how it built upon each other to, to get better? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so I think sort of the, the, the main aspects of counselling that I found so beneficial is, first of all, it's it's somewhere you can go to talk about how you feel. And a lot of times, a lot of my sessions, I just vent to my counsellor for an hour. I just rant about the shit that's wound me up that week. Mm. But it's a place where I can go and do that safely. There's a place where I know he doesn't know anybody in my personal life and vice versa. So I can say what I'm feeling and there will be no consequences for it as long as it's not like actual worrying shit. Um, you know, I can say how I feel and he won't judge me. Um, I can, as a professional who's had to go through qualifications to get this, if there is something that is sort of proven to be a serious issue, then he has ways for me to deal with things. You know, I have, before I saw him, I didn't have any sort of coping strategies as how to deal with things that I found quite overwhelming. So something that I do quite a lot is, is called disassociating. When I find something too emotionally overwhelming, I just shut down. I go numb. I don't feel anything. I just sort of monotone voice the wall goes up and that's that. And he's given me to stop doing that so I can still take time to be in the moment with someone. But also just a lot of times being able to say sort of, you know, the, the deeper, darker stuff that's worrying you, like talk about how I felt when it came to killing myself, how I felt worthless. Being able to say that to someone who isn't in your personal circle gives you a lot of freedom to talk about how you feel in a way it's actually constructive. Um, but like I said, also because you're seeing someone who's trained to do that, they can give you, they can help you deal with it and find you ways to fix it and work through it. So it's a safe place to talk about how you feel that will also give you constructive ways to deal with these issues. And I think that's so important. Yeah. Yeah. And mate, tell me, tell me what, what the Dodgers is to you. So what, what's that morphed into now and, and, and how's that, that helping you? Yeah, um, the Dodgers to me, honestly, um, I don't think that there's anything that I wouldn't do for those boys for that team. Um, it started off as as me just wanted to play a bit of sevens on, on the weekends, um, uh, and now you know there's the blind side. Pretty much, I think there's six of us who've taken part in that, and so we've all sort of filmed it together, shared our shared our shit together like that. So it's it's given me some lads that I'm incredibly close to. Um, but it's also, 
something that I struggled with for a while was having a, a sort of a direction, sense of purpose. Mm. And I think the Dodgers has given me that because before it was just playing, playing rugby. But now I get to play rugby, but also we do stuff like this as well. And I think, if anything, that's more important than the rugby because now I'm doing what I love, but I can do it in a way that can really positively help people. But it also gives me a direction with this. It gives me a purpose. You know, what is the goal with this? Where do I want to take it? So I think it's, it, it's almost like it's probably one of the best things in my life right now, Dodgers. It really is. That's amazing. And is, is it like a, a formal setup that you guys have to talk about stuff or is it just that the environment's um, enabled everyone to, to just talk openly and, and uh, yeah, I guess uh, optimistically about whatever you're going through? Yeah, it, it's sort of, it's, it's a bit of both. It's sort of in the middle. So mm-hmm. we've just got a, a group chat of like 50, 60 lads um, and it's, it's like your typical rugby chat has a lot of banter in there. But if you want to be serious and sort of share your feelings, you can just pop in there. We do a thing quite a, quite a lot of the time called drive time. So a lot of the boys in there sort of drive all over the country for their work. Uh, some of the more active lads in the chat. And they just say, like, I'm, I'll be driving for this amount of time. If you want to chat about anything, just give us a call and we'll chat whilst I drive. And we do that so often. Um, we do a Dodgers bar every Friday night, like a virtual a virtual bar. And it's nothing crazy. It's not like a social, it's just a bunch of boys having a few beers and we talk about stuff. Uh, and if you've got an issue and you want to get a foot chest, you can whack it in the group chat. And yeah, I've seen it happen so many times. There's been a few lads have put in there, listen, boys, I've had a really rough week. I'm feeling really shit. Is there anyone, anyone got advice for me? Uh, and within sort of 10 minutes, you've had 10 lads respond to it like, we love you. We're here for you. If you want to talk here, so try doing this. Try doing this. So it's, I think it's in the middle. There's some formal structure there in terms of having the, the different things we do as a team. But I also think because we're all there for the mental health stuff, you can put it in that chat without any fear of repercussion, without any fear of judgment. And the boys are incredible in it. You, you can put an issue in, and within minutes, you'll have three or four boys message you directly saying, "Do you want to talk about this now, mate? I'll give you a ring if you want." How do we get that culture? Like that sounds like a great model for a sports team, right? It's fantastic. But I think you did, you know, you'd admit that that's rare. That doesn't seem to be the norm amongst sports teams. Not really. And no. in fact, they can kind of foster the opposite and the more dangerous, harmful sides of um, uh, of that culture. You, you know, the kind of the whole like. Um, I'm sure Stevie, you might have some stories uh, from people you know. Um, but obviously, like I think it's different when you're professional. So you've got to be. Um, you just you've got to be on basically but i mean you know that most sports teams i think possibly are still of that old school model of let's get hammered and you just toughen up and deal with it and yeah um if anyone wants to talk about feelings everyone goes quiet and awkward and someone just tries to change the subject or move on um yeah i just it's great that you've got that and yeah i hope that model is the one which we move forward and, and kind of yeah. with us that would help university culture a lot oh massively massively and i think I, I, my last year of uni we had a, a safeguard officer brought on the team which is someone sort of to go to with your problems which i think was a good step in the right direction but they weren't really utilized properly in my opinion um but i think something like that even if you have a few lads who are sort of given sort of basic training in how to respond to mental health issues would be would be a huge step um but i think it's also how do you foster a culture in any sports team be it uni or or normal 
where you can sort of go to your boys, listen, lads, I've had a really shit week. I'm feeling like crap. What can I do? It's difficult because speak up about it's hard as well. And it, it's not easily done. So it's, it's, it's difficult. But yeah, that, that's sort of the, the template we have at Dodgers is I, I think what's needed. But it's just how do you implement that on a wider scale is what we're trying to work out as well. Mate, imagine you're, imagine when you go to uni and join a team, the third year's treated you like that rather than unreal, unreal. imagine the, the first initiation was like right we're going to have a really good night tonight we're going to go for a curry have a few beers yeah. but this is how it works we've got this group and if anyone's struggling you put it in here uh, once a week we just go for a jog together every now and yeah. we'll, we'll go for a pint this day you don't have to cut you know imagine it was that was what we yeah. fostered like it'd yeah, be such a healthier culture unbelievably so unbelievably so I agree wholeheartedly yeah. there. I, I think there's I think there's so much in that, Jack. I honestly do. And obviously we're doing a similar thing at the minute and we've we've just launched a bit of a challenge, but we're really sort of focusing on on the club sort of part of mentality in the online community. And like we've just launched the, the, this challenge. Um and there's there must be about 20, 25 blokes on there, um, as well as a women's group, another group too of, of guys. But like you know, these guys don't know each other. Um, the, these guys had never seen each other before. Yeah. The, you know, one of the processes that we have is a free word check-in. So every day, just got to check in with free words. How we're feeling. You know, there's 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 the range of lost, confused, anxious, um, to calm, um, energized, and um, content. And there's such a range of it, right? But the the the, the sort of the power in that is to notice that everything's transient you know yeah. you, you, you list how you feel in three words but that moment will pass whether you're you're, you're in a good mood or you're in a bad mood yeah. um and then that builds a community it builds that openness it builds the vulnerability and the vulnerability has been reciprocated yeah it's and, a bond isn't it yeah it's it's a bond it, exactly that it's a bond um and hopefully there's a chance that we'll get to meet open and keep doing stuff yeah, we, we're doing live podcasts and, and Zooms, Q and A's, just like this. But right. it's it's mate, it's um, you know, we maybe should have done this one with the boys as well. But the, you know, the, that's the, the the way we're going um, is I don't think that we'll be able to remove the issues, the mental health struggles, the troubles, and then like you know, mental health illnesses as well. But what, what I can remove is is what often comes with men is the second wave of thinking around that, which is I'm soft for thinking like this. I'm, I'm this shouldn't be affecting me. Yeah. Um, you know, why am I like this? I think if you can accept it and you've got the environment which we talked about a bit earlier, which hopefully can be fostered a bit a bit more like in tangent with, with, with what you're talking about, Jack, and what you just mentioned there, Chris, like we, we're going to a, into a, a better world and, and a safer world. And, a, and, and I, you know, I always bang on about it, but a, a more performing world, um, yeah. with more meaning and more purpose mm-hmm. and more um, care about each other. So, yeah, mate, I, I, I think that's grand. I think you've, you've, you've dropped on such an amazing environment there that, is in stark contrast to to the one that, that you met eighteen eighteen years old. Yeah, it's it's a completely different world, um, and I think having, like you said, having that sort of direction, that purpose. But I think what gives a lot of people in the chat strength because not everyone's as open about it as I am, and it's taken me a long time to get to the point where I can be as open as I am. 
but seeing other people in, in that community that that sort of family brotherhood you share now be vulnerable can give you the power to be vulnerable so you can see it's okay mm-hmm. and i think for some people just seeing it around you also open up they've seen others around you can give you the strength you need to do it yourself mm-hmm. but like you said just being in that community to do it and i think it's fantastic what you're doing there as well with that that sort of a, a challenge thank you Matt. Yeah, and it's worth uh, giving a shout out to Andrew Marks as well from the uh, Mentality Club. He, um, uh, unfortunately, he was in the rugby league team at university and uh, one of his friends took his own life. And did he help He help set up the Mentality Society, Steve? He did, Matt. Yeah, he did. Um, he, did. Um, he took a year off booze as well, didn't he? Because he realised that was a problem. And um, mm. yeah, you know, it takes these sort of small things to help change things. Yeah, massively, massively. It's yeah. just realising what you do can affect your mood and how you can control that. Mm. And, and you've 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 obviously owned it as well, Jack. Like you know, you're not you're not sort of in fear of of what you've been through or in fear of what what you might go through in the future. You've sort of owned it, which is is quite a, a good thing to to have done at your age, uh, especially the 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 depths that you've gone to. So, yeah, I commend you, mate. I commend you. That's it's brave and it's. Uh, yeah, thank, thanks for thanks for sharing sharing your story, mate. With us. Yeah, like, happy to do it. I think it, it, more and more people, it should be more widely done. I think because it gives people strength. It gives you strength as well, and it's it, it's mad. I, I was talking to my therapist about sort of we having like a recap after sort of two and a half three years about where I was and how far I've come. Mm. And as bizarre as this sounds, I think what happened to me may genuinely be one of the best things that's ever happened to me in terms of how it's changed me and it sounds absolutely crazy saying that out loud but it's forced me to change so much um and i'm, I'm so much happier with who i am because of it Man, i, think, I think a lot of people say that mate who, who yeah. struggled I, I hear that quite a bit and i think it's the same for me as well and but yeah it's like that that's the ultimate moment of like you're at your worst and it becomes the changing point for you to get yeah. better and would you say now you're better now than you were before um, you hit rock bottom and, you know, you're thinking of the first 20 years of your life or whatever. You, I bet you you've learned so many things that now you enjoy life more, you're more in touch with who you are. You're a better version of yourself. 100%, mate, without a doubt in my mind. Without a doubt in my mind. Mm-hmm. Is, is, there, is there any practices, Jack, that you do? Um, I mean, you know, I've, I've sort of, I've, I've got to my, of the practice if you like um of what what works for me um and i'm sharing that with the guys in the online communities um but what is, is anything that 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 you do um obviously you've got that that's social support structure there but is anything that you do whether it's meditation um you know focus meditation and exercise or is anything that that, that you you can think of which is is something that you draw upon yeah, there's, there's, there's a few things. And there are things that I do and things that I'm trying to implement in my lifestyle. I think a huge one is exercise for me, massive. It changes my mood completely going to the yeah. gym. Um, uh, I think for me, in the past sort of year or so, the gym's been my go-to place for everything, socialising, mm-hmm. change my mood, everything. I think it's such an important aspect of my life and I, I encourage it massively in my friends. Mm-hmm. Um Meditation, not as much. Um, what, one thing that I try and do is I try and each morning, I try and not, not even say it out loud, but I try and think of sort of things that happened in the previous day that I'm grateful happened. Um, sort of try and start on it off on a, a more positive note. Um, 
one physical thing that I do, which I found to be a game changer for me, is when I am sort of depressed or anxious or I'm starting to disassociate, I like to actually go outside into my garden, uh, take my socks off and just stand barefoot in the grass for 10 minutes and just sort of try and reconnect to what's around me. Nice. Having that sort of very sensory sensory feeling you know it's it's very difficult to sort of focus on your feelings when you've got wet grass on your feet so i think something like that almost like a reset for me personally um that's my go-to at the moment but yeah um exercise sunlight big on big on getting sunlight in my mornings um and i, I try and give thanks at least mentally i want to try and work on doing it out loud maybe um to sort of give it more power but try and give thanks in my head each morning for what, what's happened the day before that I'm grateful for or things or people that I'm grateful for at the moment. Mm. It is something I try and do a lot of. Like it. Like it. Yeah, mate. Yeah. And it seems like you've got a lot of sunlight at the moment as well. I don't know where you are. It's like you're in the south of Spain. <laughs> Just in the kitchen, mate. I've got a nice big sliding <laughs> door. But yes, you were bit, yeah, bright my eyes to be fair. But, it's down yeah. south, isn't it? Me and Steve up in Leeds. It's very, I know. Ah. <laughs> yeah, I'm down in Bath, so. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, I just wanted to, um, look, this is, again, I think this is a, a separate wider pod, but I think it's worth just, I, I'd be intrigued to hear your thoughts on it because um, the other aspect I thought of particularly lads culture and sports teams at university um, was attitudes towards women and, and homosexuality and things like that. I just wanted to, yeah. Is there anything you noticed um, from your time at university and in teams um, or how maybe the Dodgers deal with those topics? Um, yeah, I just wanted to do any thoughts on it. Yeah, um, I didn't really see a lot to do with homosexuality at uni because, in, in all fairness, uh, a, a lot of the stuff we did as a, as a team socially was, in all fairness, was a little bit suspect at times in that sort of sense. There's a lot of nudity, a lot of a lot of touching. Um, I think I kissed all of my teammates at one point, at some point or another, across the three years. Um, so I don't think there were any issues, at least at my uni, with King sexuality. I think at uni full stop there is an issue when it comes to how you approach sex if mm. i'm honest i think um the sort of sleeping around culture it, it is very much glorified and i've seen it happen on both men's and women's team i think it is worse when you talk about it with the boys because i'm sure we've all been there things are said that aren't too savory about how you sort of approach women but i think there is an issue there full stop in sort of how you approach having sexual relationships at uni because it's just encouraged to shag everything with a pulse. Um, and I think that it, it has its, it has its fun, but also I think a lot of people don't understand how that can also be an emotional drain without realizing. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think with the Dodgers, the Dodgers is definitely a lot, a lot better in that sense. I mean, we have a few lads on the team who are openly gay. Um, and there's been no issues with them at any of the tournaments I've been to, no issues in sort of how other boys approach them, I mean, nothing like that, or how they're treated. Um, but yeah, so I think from that, that point of view, I never really saw an issue when it came to, to sort of how, how gay teammates are treated, but also it wasn't something, now I think about it at uni, I don't think there were any openly gay teammates that I knew, in all honesty. Maybe a few lads who, who were a bit curious, but nothing who was openly gay as far as I'm aware. Um, so maybe it's something that's covered up a little bit. I don't know. Maybe it's not something they feel comfortable talking about in those sort of cultures because they can be quite toxic. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I didn't see a lot of a lot of it in sports teams at uni, quite honestly. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's really encouraging to hear. It's, it's um, it seems to be a really nice, welcoming environment. The Dodgers at the moment, massively. Yeah. So I mean, again, that's really refreshing. 
yeah, yeah. Um, it does matter and, and um, I'm just curious I, 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 um, we didn't get to hear what your course was uh, at uni and if, if it's benefited you now yeah um, I studied sport and exercise sciences at uni um, I'll be completely honest it's not really been a benefit but that's I, I did when I came home to sort my, my acts out I also dropped out of uni um, so I failed my third year my first my third year I failed that so I would have had to have redone it um, and I couldn't go back to uni until I was cleared by uh, until I was, I was cleared by a GP and by a therapist mm-hmm. um, and when it came to the point that I could have been cleared and I was good to go um, I, I, it didn't really interest me as much because yeah. I, I didn't really see any benefit to what I was what I was doing at the time to go back to uni mm-hmm. especially in, in that field it's a very saturated field um, and I did a master's to, to go out with it uh, and that's just an awful lot of debt that I wasn't willing to take on um, it was still a good experience. I still, I still use what I've learned at uni in sort of more my day-to-day life in terms of how I would approach my gym programming or how I approach helping my friends in the gym and sort of what I understand now about biomechanics and how I lift weights has certainly improved. So it's helped my understanding in more personal life, but it doesn't really it hasn't been implemented in my professional life. If I'm honest, yeah, that's really interesting, mate. Like, I, this isn't this question might sound a bit more offensive than it is, but. Do you think you should have gone to uni then? Because I, I know quite a lot of people who, I remember being at horse to someone in particular who was like, he just did it because everyone yeah. else seemed to. And like, maybe we should be encouraging people, like it's not a be one end all. And if you don't want to go, yeah. you know, I know loads of people who didn't go who are far more successful and yeah. happy. And it shouldn't be this stigma that, oh, if you don't go to uni, it's, I, yeah. I think too many people probably feel pressured to go when they actually Absolutely. don't really want to. That's why I went. That's that's the whole reason I went. Is that you know my my, my parents put a lot of emphasis on it. Um, my sick form put, I would say, maybe too much pressure on sort of 17, 18 year olds to apply for unis and what they're going for is all we did pretty much. Um, and there's a lot of pressure from people around me to go to uni. Um, so I think I went for the sake of going, quite honestly. Um, it wasn't say I wanted to do, and yeah, there is there is a lot of pressure when it comes to it. And I don't think I should go to uni, quite honestly. Um, but having said that, if I didn't go to uni, then I wouldn't have gone through what I went through. So maybe it, it, it played its role in my personal development. But yeah, I think you, you have a point there. It isn't for everyone, and it isn't the be all end all. Because a lot of the times you go to uni to get your degree, um, and especially sort of the past ten years, it feels like everyone you know has been to uni. So everyone's got a degree now. So maybe the degrees aren't worth much. They once were something that I think anyway yeah mm. I like that um, I like I like the, your honesty Jack and I like that um, I, I really like the fact that you've found that community now and uh, as, as I can imagine that the, the therapy the counselling but that alongside the community is, is really powerful and uh, yeah. thanks Thanks for owning owning it and, and and coming out through to the other side and sharing your lessons, mate. Thank uh, you, mate. Because that's that's really powerful. Yeah, thank, thank you, man. It's good, really yeah, good chat. Thank good. Thanks, thanks for coming on, mate. And uh, you know, send us obviously send us some of the stuff. We'll put some links in for, for yes. what you guys are doing the documentaries and um, you know, hopefully there's there's a there's a, a reality next year which could all maybe link up and, and that'd be fantastic yeah I'd love that mega. very quickly pal um, what is it about sevens by the way that you prefer like from an actual playing perspective um, 
It's it's different to 15s in, in quite a few ways. I just like the freedom of having us players on the pitch, quite honestly. Um, I don't know. It's, just, it's rugby league, man. It's rugby league. I think sevens is for people who should be playing rugby league. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe. That's my maybe. theory. There's, there's less players in league, isn't there? Yeah, there is. Yeah, there is. Like, I, I like I like playing fifteens. I, I play I play flanker and fifteens. It's it's all, all fun and good. Um, but it, it, I'll be honest, it's nice to have hit rucks every every phase. It's nice to having to to run as a pod all the time. I just like the freedom of it, and I like I like the tournaments that go with it. Sort of that it's not just a Saturday game and a few bits afterwards. It's like a weekend of it. You camp out with the boys. Yeah. There's like music on. There's barbecues going. I like that quite a lot. It's a nice nice community. So it's not like it's your local club. It's like everyone's there from all over the country, which is nice. Yeah, that's cool. That was cool. Well, thank you, mate, for joining us. Thanks for having me. What a chat that was. And um, yeah, mate, hopefully, let, you know, let's link up in the future. Yeah, I'd be really happy to. Really happy to. Yeah, cheers, Jack. Great chatting to you, mate. Cheers, boys. Take it easy. Cheers, Jackie. Cheers.